Hey, welcome back to the show. We're keeping it real. Goes right. Welcome back to Real Take Sports Talk Live here on YouTube. And hopefully you guys can hear me okay. Um, yeah, it's just me this week. No Johnny G, no Andrew, no one else. Just you and me hanging out, chilling out, relaxing all cool talking about some football and other news around the school. Welcome, everyone. It is going to be a fun episode. We're going to be talking about, amongst other things, Max Kellerman leaving ESPN. Also going to be discussing the Jacksonville Jaguars quarterback, quote-unquote, competition that Urban Meyer says is there. We'll see if that's actually true. Also going to be talking about the Bears and what Andy Dalton had to say about their QB competition. Going to be talking about all the other wonderful news in the world of sports as well. So before we get to any of that, be sure to hit that like button if you're watching on YouTube. Subscribe if you haven't already. Hit that notification bell so you get notified whenever a new video is released. Also, if you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, please be sure to follow us and leave us a five-star, five-star review a la Dave Meltzer. Let's get right into it, though. And talk about some of the big news this week. Because arguably one of the biggest stories of the NFL offseason has been Tim Tebow. Tim Tebow was, if you can't, in case you've been living under a rock, Tim Tebow was a first-round pick, a college star, a college Hall of Famer. And he got picked in the first round of the NFL draft back in 2010. His career kind of didn't pan out as many expected it would. I'm, I was a huge fan of Tebow. I expected him to go... Very far, he didn't. He went. He had a, one good season, one decent season, where he led the team to the playoffs. That's about it. And then he kind of pandered out, or he petered out rather from football, and he switched sports. He went to baseball, did that for a few years, was a pretty, pretty good minor league player. And then after that, we ended up seeing Tim Tebow make his bread and butter go back to his bread and butter rather. At rather, and he ended up going back to football when Urban Meyer came calling. Urban Meyer became the coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars, and he came calling and he said, "Tim, let's try you out a tight end." He was always an athletic guy, and now he's been cut. So let's talk about it. Tim Tebow's attempt to return to the NFL as a tight end has been. Ooh, let me restart that because I am a two take kind of guy Tim Tebow's attempt to return to the NFL has come to an end as the former Heisman Trophy winner and the former now Jacksonville Jaguars tight end was released on Tuesday as part of the first round of roster cuts that the team made this preseason Tebow posted a message on Twitter shortly after he was released in which he thanked the Jacksonville Jaguars for giving him the chance to play football saying quote Thankful for the highs and even the lows, the opportunities and the setbacks. I've never wanted to make I never wanted to make decisions out of fear or failure. I'm grateful for the chance to have pursued my dream. And look, whatever you want to say about Tim Tebow, whether you want to say he can't throw the football, you're probably right about that. If you want to say he's not an efficient quarterback, you're correct about that. If you want to say that he's not the prototypical quarterback, he doesn't throw a tight spiral, you are 100% right. You can even say that he's a bust, a former first-round pick who didn't pan out. Let's see, he was not worth the 22nd overall pick, I believe, which he was. He wasn't worth the pick. But one thing you cannot say about Tim Tebow is that he didn't try everything, everything 
to his the best of his ability. Because the fact that someone like Tim Tebow, who wasn't the best type of quarterback, the the, the pocket passer that everyone wanted him to be, the fact that he was able to take that Broncos team and and uh, behind a very good defense, behind some very good running backs, but he was uh, an X factor on that team. That is undeniable. The fact that, that team went to the playoffs and won a playoff game largely because of him shows you the heart that this guy has, shows you why people like him, why people like me are fans of Tim Tebow. Whether or not I agree with him on most things um, that have to do with, you know, you know, even life, religion, all that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, for me, that doesn't really matter as much. What matters the most for me is having someone who has that heart. What matters to me is having someone who not only has the raw ability or the raw uh, talent and athleticism to do these things, but someone who has the heart. And Tim Tebow put his heart into everything he did. Now, the big question on everyone's mind is, is this the end of Tim Tebow in football? And I think his quote kind of speaks for itself. I think Tim Tebow tried everything to the best of his ability. He tried playing quarterback, had minimal success of being quarterback, and it didn't pan out after that. He couldn't get on a team. He couldn't make the roster for the New England Patriots, nor the Philadelphia Eagles after that. It just didn't work out. Then he goes to baseball. He tries. And he, he was a damn good player for the Mets minor league system. It didn't work out again. He comes back to the NFL. One last comeback attempt at tight end. And look, look at the guy in these pictures. That is Tim Tebow. That is a former quarterback, Tim Tebow. He looks like he could play tight end. He was catching some passes this offseason. He was looking like he, hey, he might have a chance to make the roster. And that was a big if. There was a lot of people like Skip Bayless and, and the like who are huge fans of Tim Tebow, which I appreciate, but who were misguided in the way that they believed that Tim Tebow was somehow automatically going to make the roster. He was not. Tim Tebow was never a guarantee to make the Jacksonville Jaguars roster, even as a tight end. And it, at the end of the day, you can have the heart. You can have the 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 ability to motivate a team be, to be a leader, which Tim Tebow checks all the intangible boxes, right? Does he? But does he check the box of being the at least the fourth best tight end on the team? Evidently not. Blocking, we saw how that went for Tim Tebow. It didn't work out well when he was blocking in that preseason game against the Cleveland Browns. Catching passes, we didn't really get to see him uh, run too many routes. And it's unfortunate. We saw that, you know, he had an up-and-down kind of training camp. There were, there were spurts where he was good. Originally, he was a lot better at tight end than people thought he was going to be. So that was kind of an improvement. People people thought that was something to build on. People thought that was something to kind of write home about. And I think so, too. Making that transition isn't too easy. You know, there are some people who have made it. Um, there's the what uh, the tight end for the Washington football team. His name is um, Logan Thomas. He made that transition, and he made it pretty well. There's others who haven't really been able to make that t transition, and it's hard to do it, especially this late in the game. It's hard to make that much of an impact that you are the third best tight end and a, a shoe-in to make the team. That's just how the NFL works. It is not about whether you're well-liked all the time. If it was, there would be a lot of people who would still be playing. Sometimes it is just about the ability. Are there times where teams blackball players? Of course. But sometimes it comes down to ability. No one can say. For, for for everything we might want to say about, you know, Tebow didn't get a fair shot at quarterback. 
That those that some teams, those are fair comparisons. Like when he was at the Jets, did he get a fair shot? I don't think so. No, he didn't because Rex Ryan had Mark Sanchez there. That was their guy. They wanted to go with Sanchez. Uh, the, I mean, the Patriots, was he ever really going to amount to much on the Patriots? No. The Eagles, no. But nobody can say that he didn't get a fair shot here. Tim Tebow with Urban Meyer, his college head coach, whom he won multiple national championships with. To say that Tim Tebow didn't get a fair shot here is not understanding the situation at all. It's not understanding the the circumstances of Tim Tebow even being there. Tim Tebow doesn't get this last chance comeback without Urban Meyer calling up, calling him up and saying, hey, we're going to sign you. It doesn't happen without Urban Meyer going up to Tony Khan and, and then Jacksonville Jaguars management and saying, I'm going to vouch for this guy as, as a training camp signee. Tim Tebow got, got a fair chance here to show, what he, show us what he can do at tight end. It was always going to be an uphill battle, and it didn't work out. But as much as the Tebow haters who exist out there, and, and again, I don't know why people like to hate on specific players. It doesn't make sense to me to for your entire sports mentality, for your entire sports attitude to be, I'm going to hate this player. I'm going to hate Tebow. I'm going to hate LeBron. It never That stuff never made sense to me. For all the haters out there, one thing you will never be able to say is Tim Tebow didn't try and Tim Tebow didn't do the things that he said he was going to do. He said he was going to be a quarterback in the NFL. He did it, and guess what? He won a lot of games, and guess what? He also won a playoff game against the Pittsburgh Steelers and threw for 300 yards in that game, by the way. People want to say he was never going to work out as a baseball player. He was one. He, he was a pretty damn good minor league baseball player, honestly. His stats were at least average or above average at most times. People said this tight end comeback wasn't going to be good. He looked great. He looked great, and he impressed people early in training camp, and he did it. Tim Tebow was listed as a tight end for a preseason game. That happened. So as much as people want to hate, these things did happen, and like... Look, this is not the end of Tim Tebow, by the way, in sports. Tim Tebow is always going to be around sports. He's going to be doing the ESPN panels, the college game day panels, all that kind of stuff. He's going to be doing, you know, first take probably. And, you know, he might, who knows, he might be the next co-host of first take after the news we're going to talk about later, Max Kellerman leaving. But th- there's a lot of places, there's a lot of room where Tim Tebow has uh, to, to, to be in sports. And he's a good talker. He's captivating. He belongs on television, if I'm being honest. Tim Tebow on, on uh, getting a TV show on ESPN would be insane. And people would watch it. His haters would watch it. People who, who love Tebow would watch it. And they'd be captivated by it because Tim Tebow, like I said, is an amazing, an amazing speaker. That That's just what he is. That, that's just the truth. That's gospel. Pardon the pun. Anyway, but... Yeah, so Tim Tebow gone from the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, and look, he again, it, it, it's it's all about understanding the the circumstances he was in. Tim Tebow always had less than it was less likely that he was actually going to make the team. And I think people kind of people kind of overestimated the 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 Tebow effect that that would take place. This time, people kind of thought, oh, my God, he's just going to come in there, make the team, become the, a Hall of Famer. It was what Skip Bayless, a Hall of Famer. Like, no, 
He wasn't going to come in and be no damn Hall of Fame tight end. Everyone knew that. And if you didn't know that, you probably weren't thinking with your brain. That's just truth. And hey, that's spoken as a Tebow fan. That is spoken as me, a fan of Tim Tebow. In case you guys haven't already, be sure to hit that like button, subscribe to the channel, hit that notification bell so you get notified whenever a new video is released. Like I said, also follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts today. Let's move on, ladies and gentlemen, and talk about the big news. The big news about from sports that just dropped today over the past few days, actually. It's, it's been rumored, but just dropped today. Max Kellerman is expected to leave ESPN First Take. Not ESPN, but ESPN First Take, the show. Kellerman is expected to be removed off of First Take, the show in which he and Stephen A. Smith verbally battle each day, going at hot take after hot take with each other. The sources have now confirmed this news, and they also say that this is not the end of Kellerman at ESPN, as he is likely to have an increased role, rather, on ESPN Radio and potentially his own TV show, according to multiple sources. He already does a lot of boxing-focused programming. We know Max Kellerman is a big connoisseur of, of professional boxing and fighting. Uh, front Office Sports was the first to report this. ESPN has declined to comment on a lot of these uh, this news. For now, ESPN does not plan on replacing Kellerman with anyone in particular. Instead, a rotation of verbal sparring partners will likely make their make the rounds throughout the show over the next few weeks. Um, and we also learned that Molly Quorum is expected to continue on, and Stephen A. Smith as well, as Stephen A. Smith is basically the big star of ESPN at this point. He is ESPN. As, as Stephen A. goes, ESPN goes. So, Max Kellerman is leaving ESPN. This is, this is big news. This is big news not only for people who are... Who, who might be still fans of the show, as there are people who are still fans of the show. But it's also big news for people who who are who are not fans of the show. It's big news because the, the it's weird. First Take has built an entire identity. Either you love Stephen A. Smith or you don't love Stephen A. Smith. And then Max Kellerman a lot of times has been the foil to that. And that's that was the role he was brought in to do, much like Skip Bayless before him. And look, Max Kellerman was someone who I think was good at his job for a very long time. Max Kellerman brought logic and facts nine times out of ten in throughout his debates with Stephen A. Smith. And a lot of times he was the substance of this show. For him to leave, it's a big loss for this show because you can bring in people who you can bring in analysts who have, you know, experience. You can bring in Swagoo, you can bring in um, you know, Dominique Foxworth, you can bring in you know, add even Adam Schefter, whoever you want to bring in to the show, you can bring all these people in, Ryan Hollins and all the and all the crew. It's gonna be big. It's gonna be big shoes to fill as Max Kellerman makes his exit from first take, because he really established himself. He was the the person after Skip Bayless to establish himself as in that in that role right up there with Stephen A. Smith in the show, because. Like, let's be honest. When Max Kellerman isn't on or Stephen A isn't on, whoever whoever they have coming in, no one pays attention to. But with Max Kellerman, he was a draw for this show, and he's going to be missed early. And look, you can also say that it might be time for him to move on to bigger and better things because, let's be honest, first take wasn't exactly compelling television all the time. 
you kind of knew where it was going most times at a time most times uh that you watched it you knew that Stephen A was going to complain about the Dallas Cowboys once an episode you knew that Stephen A was going to talk about how much he loves South Beach in LA you knew all the jazz that Stephen A was going to say and then you know Max Kellerman would refute it in a very logical way and it and for me personally it kind of ran its course for a while so so for Max Hellman to leave and do a larger role, I hope he gets like his own show like the Stephen A world that he has on um, ESPN Plus because it actually might make me pay for ESPN Plus. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, because Max Kellerman to me is is one of the, the very few people on ESPN who actually discusses things in in one an entertaining way and two a way that 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 appeals to me as someone who likes to bring facts and logic to arguments. Like he he's got this very it's weird he's got a very old school ESPN type of feel and and look I'm not gonna lie to you is there some rust some some first take rust that Max Kellerman kind of has absolutely he's got a little bit of of, of of that first take kind of uh, aroma if you will to him because you know I I think as the show went on he his takes tended to get kind of watered down his takes tended to get a little bit, you know, stale, and then sometimes he ended up capping a little bit. the The biggest evidence of that was the Brady falling off a clip. That that was a gimmick that Max Kellerman went with for years, just to have a gimmick, just so people could tweet him online. And look, it's part of the game. You all got to have a gimmick. You got to have people engaged, and and they do a good job of doing that. And as far as what it means for ESPN, and, and specifically ESPN First Take, ESPN, I think, is going to be fine as long as they retain Kellerman. Because if they lose Max Kellerman, it's going to be, it's going to be that's, that, that would be bad. That's when I would be concerned, because then, you know, Fox Sports will likely offer him a very, very sweet deal, especially after what they offered Skip Bayless to stay on uh, doing Undisputed with Shannon Sharp. So, I believe that, 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 Max Kellerman's loss for first take is going to be it's going to be hard to replace him. It is going to be very hard to replace Max Kellerman on ESPN first take because who else you going to do you have right now to fill that spot? Is it going to be is it going to be someone like a like a you know a Dominique Foxworth who love Dom, love Neek, but eh you know, is it going to be someone like a, a, a swagoo who they like to have on? It's probably going to be one of those guys. And look, nothing against them. I like them as analysts. I like Kendrick Perkins. I think Kendrick Perkins on the jump is amazing. I love Kendrick. The, the, the issue is I don't, I don't think the same dynamic can work. And I don't think it's going to be a good dynamic like that. I think you need to bring in someone who is more Max Kellerman-like, even less so than Skip Bayless. Skip Bayless was was basically just a, a different version of Stephen A. Smith, just capping all over the place. But you, you need to bring someone who brings that types of facts and logic and, 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 and that approach to, to most arguments because that, that's one thing Max Kellerman always did and always does. Again, we don't know when it's going to happen. We don't know if, if it's going to be, if it's going to be, you know, happen right now or, or what have you. But one thing we do know is that originally ESPN radio wanted to pair Max Kellerman and Keyshawn Johnson together on a morning show. And I think that's the same morning show that be- ended up becoming, you know, Jay Williams, Zubin Mahenti and Keyshawn's show. Um, by the way, big shout out to Zubin Mahenti who currently has been facing complications from his diabetes. So big shout out to him, man. Hope you're doing well. Hope you're getting better. And yeah, man, like, you know, 
get checked out. Get make make sure you guys are up to date with your with your health and and all that kind of stuff. Uh, Ryan Woodridge in the chat just asked, "Hi, bro, what's up? Thoughts on Tim Tebow getting released yesterday? I actually just covered that in the first segment. So, uh, but basically, I mean, it had to happen. That that, that like, it, it just had to happen. There was." Because it was going to be an uphill battle for Tebow, regardless. He was like, it was, it was just, it was too difficult. It's, it's a difficult thing to change positions like that. Um, I covered it kind of extensively in the first segment of the show. If you want to just rewind it just a little bit, you can. Uh, but I, I basically, I did a whole segment on it just then. Uh, he also asked, they should offer Tim Tebow the ESPN job. Oh, that would be great. That would be great. Offer Tim Tebow that job. Offer Tim Tebow the the job on first take. That would be entertaining. That's a good position for Tebow to be in. Definitely, I agree with that. Um, also agree with the fact that anyone who's watching out there, uh, if you haven't already subscribed to the channel and hit that notification bell, please do so. Like also like this video. Get people uh, get get people going. Share it too. You know. Let people know about about real take sports and all the wonderful content that we put out there for everyone's enjoyment out here. I am. <sighs> I'm getting jumbled with my words. I know it's been a long week. It has been a long, long week, and it's going to be a very, very long college football season as we might have some mergers in the works. So let's talk about it. Oh, excuse me. So after Texas and Oklahoma accepted the offer to go over to the SEC and join the SEC, which again is going to be official starting in 2025, it's put the other major conferences in a bit of a pickle as the Big Ten, the Pac-12, and the ACC are now kind of trying to find a way to compete because there's two big schools who just went to the SEC. The SEC has so much of a consolidation of talent and, and, and schools at this point that it's difficult for these other conferences to compete. Every year, the SEC, they're the ones sending the teams to, um, majority of the time, they're the ones sending the teams over to the college football playoff. They're Alabama, LSU, and then Georgia are the ones in the national championship game. And there's also a huge SEC bias that we already know exists in college football. It's no secret. We don't have to hide it. But it is being reported that the commissioners of the ACC, the Pac-12, and the Big Ten have held discussions about forming an alliance between the three conferences in the wake of the Texas and Oklahoma news. Just a few weeks ago, the Pac-12 commissioner, George uh, Kilovkov, I think I said that right, met with the Big 12 commissioner to discuss the potential options between the two conferences. And it appears that... The Pac-12 is now shifting towards talks with other conferences after those talks kind of broke down. And it looks like the alliance between the three would mainly benefit all parties. And the only thing that's holding it back, though, is the scheduling. And the thing is, scheduling out these games and these interconference games, even if this merger were to happen, would be very difficult because you would have schools from all of e all of these sides of the country kind of having to fly over and then they would it would mess up a lot of other schedules as well it would mess up basketball because if you merge conferences then you merge conferences for all sports so it, it would be it would be a bit tricky actually figuring out the logistics if we're being honest it would take a few years at least one or two to legitimately figure out all the logistics of how it would work you need like we're talking about three big time college football conferences all coming together to make a huge super conference, a cross-country super conference. 
that is in, an insane idea just to begin with, but actually implementing that would be even more difficult. Um, you know, and, and, and you got to think, is this the right move for these conferences? I, I think it's the right move to think about it because at this point, it is the SEC all the way up here. And then, like, you know, the Big Ten, Ohio State, basically, up de right, right here. And then, like, you know, all the, the Pac-12, the other Big Ten schools, like, just below them. It is tough. It is legitimately tough for any t any team to compete with not only the, the bias, but the competition, or any conference, rather, to compete with the competition that exists in the SEC. They get the top, they get the top of the top, the creme de la creme as far as talent. They get the best recruits. They get a lot of funding. They get a lot of publicity. They get a lot of attention, way more attention than these other conferences. And it's, and it's, it is a little unfair as far as we're talking about, you know, like, these conferences when when schools are leaving when when you have two huge schools like Texas and Oklahoma leaving it puts the Pac-12 in a difficult position it puts the Big Ten in a difficult position because even though they're not involved in these two schools in any way it affects them because the SEC just got even bigger and the Big Ten are their only other like real comparable rival at least before this move now it's now it's not even close like now the, the SEC is just all over the top just they're so much better at this point and um you know and and the other big question that coming out of this is like wh why would you do this and it, it's very simple if you're a fan you want to see something happen you want to see something happen to not only root out the sec bias but actually compete with the sec as far as it being the the, the top conference in college football because it's getting to a point where there is no parity Amongst these other conferences, there's no parity at all. There, and there are there already was no parity really in college football. But you know, we were talking about like schools like you know Boise State and and and, and University of Central Florida. They even though they would go undefeated for years, they would never get a chance in a national championship game. But now we're talking about you're, you're like there's going to be schools like you know Michigan and and other schools who are going to be held to an even higher standard than they were before and th these are huge schools in the Pac-12 and the Big 10 who are going to be held to a higher standard than they were before compared to the SEC because there everyone just knows the SEC is better everyone thinks the SEC is better everyone just sees college football through the realm of the SEC and and this news makes that even more true so these conferences have to find a way to do something. It doesn't need to be an all-out merger. I think there's a way to do it where you keep the individual conferences, but you agree to interconference play between the three conferences to kind of make the competition a little more robust than it would be. Because, let's be honest, USC, you're going to be held to a hugely, hugely different um, standard than you were a year ago or in 2025. That's just true. Because the SEC is over the top at this point. And, and you know who loses? You know who loses when this stuff happens? You know who loses when all of this kind of stuff happens? When these, when one conference dominates everyone? College football fans. Because now you're going to... There's already a lot of teams who they watch their team every year do great. And then they know they don't have a chance. That's only going to increase as the SEC continues to consolidate all of these schools. And then... And, there's a lot of rumors that they're not done. They want to create a super conference in the as in the SEC, and it could get to the point where the SEC just has their own championship game and their own championship tournament, and that becomes the college football championship. I might sound like a doomer. I might sound like whatever, but it's true. 
It is true. These are legitimate discussions that have been had and that people have honestly been having for a long time. But we're just starting to realize that these that these conversations have a little more uh, reality, have a little more bite to them than we originally thought. So this is a story that if you're a fan of college football, you should definitely pay close attention to because it doesn't just affect, you know, the Big Ten, the big the, the ACC it affects everyone. You like a college football team if you're a huge fan. Even Notre Dame. Even Notre Dame, which at this point is the last big independent school. They're going to be forced into a position where they need to increase their 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 level of competition comparatively to the SEC. That's just truth. Even a school that's held to such a such a such a standard like Notre Dame, they're going to be held to a higher standard. And what are they going to do? They're not even in a conference. They're going to have to find a way to make it work. So I, I, I don't like the move of Texas and Oklahoma to the SEC, if I'm being honest, because it, it does exactly what the, the worst thing there is you can do to a sport. It, it creates less parity. I just I just spent the, the past like month talking about how the NBA this year had just got so much better because there's parity, because there's a more equal division of talent, especially now so in the East. And and, and we're seeing the exact opposite happen in college football. There, there, there's just talent consolidating in one conference. Everyone sees that one conference. Everyone focuses on that one conference and nothing else outside of it matters or, you know, outside of like maybe Ohio State, outside of them, nothing else really matters. So this is big news. This is big news. And I hope they find a way to do something here as far as, creating some sort of partnership because they're going to need to for their own business survival too. The SEC is just going to own everything and they're just going to be too big. That's and uh, you can take that to the bank. That's just truth. Um let's check out the chat real quick. Ryan Woodridge asks, um who did the Packers release yesterday? I have no idea who the Packers released yesterday. Um yeah, no idea. I mean, I know they released Blake Bortles a while ago. He also asks, what is your thoughts on the Packers traded uh, for Isaac from the Giants? Um, That's a good question. Who did they trade for? Let's look this up. Packers trade. Who did they trade for? Isaac. Uh, Green Bay Packers finalized a trade for New York Giants for cornerback Isaac Yidom. I have no idea who that is. But you know what I do know? The Packers definitely need secondary help, so hopefully that kid is good. Hopefully that kid can play because God knows after the NFC Championship game last year, you guys definitely need some uh, some help in that secondary, uh, Ryan. I, you, that's definitely true. Um, so hopefully he's good, you know? Hopefully he's good. Um, anyway, let's continue this and move on and talk. Let's, stick, let's talk to the NFL. Let's go to the NFL, rather. Let's go to the NFL and talk about some quarterback competition, specifically one quarterback competition that I've had my eye on and I will continue to have my eye on for a while, and that is the one between Justin Fields and Andy Dalton in Chicago. So, let's talk about it. The Chicago Bears currently have a quarterback competition between Andy Dalton and first-round pick Justin Fields. Dalton has the support of the Bears coaching staff. They've said that Andy Dalton is the starter. He is still the number one quarterback on the depth chart, and it's likely that he is going to be the one to start on day one as far as the regular season. Okay. Justin Fields, however, is the fan favorite. He is also a favorite in the locker room. He is also someone they drafted very early in the draft, in the first round of the draft. So 
There's only a certain amount of time you can go without starting that guy. At least that's the thinking. Andy Dalton, though, he he defended his own position. I'll give him that. He defended his own position. On Wednesday, he told reporters, quote, Justin is going to have Justin is going to have his time. Justin is going to have a great career. But right now, it's my time. So focus so my focus is on being the best player I can be for this team and helping this team win. The 33-year-old Dalton has been tabbed as a starter by Matt Nagy despite Fields' impressive start in the preseason and strong work ethic through practice. So interesting words there by Andy Dalton. First of all, let me clear up the misconception. There's a lot of people who took his comments as, oh, yo, it's my time. No, it's his time because the Bears coaching staff said, you're the number one quarterback. So he said, I can't worry about like what Justin's doing. I can't worry about that. Only thing I can worry about is right now I'm the guy. Right now they've told me I'm the guy, so I have to be focused on being the guy. When it's Justin's turn, it'll be his turn. So, you know, again... That's the way I think he meant it. There's like a lot of people who are saying, oh my God, how dare Andy Dalton? How dare he say that it is his time? Andy Dalton, it is 2021. It should not be his time. And let's be honest, it's 2021. It is not Andy Dalton's time. Like really, it's not his time. It is his It is his job to lose, but it's really Justin Fields' job to win, if we're being honest. Justin Fields also in the preseason, he balled out. He balled out like he had a really good showing in that first preseason game against the uh I, I believe they were against the Chargers if, if I'm not mistaken but you know he completed he completed over 70% of his passes the dude ran for a touchdown he scored a touchdown like this guy he he showed that he is the starter 14 of 20 142 yards in a tub he had 38 yards rushing I believe and also a touchdown on the ground like this dude is just amazing he showed why he showed us why I had him pegged as the second best quarterback in this draft there's a lot of people who said oh Trey Lance is better okay but Zach Wilson was never a better quarterback than Justin Fields Justin Fields was the, the, the was the at the top of this bunch um that being said should the Bears think about starting Justin Fields week one? And I think if he continues to play like this in the preseason, you have to. You absolutely have to because he is for him to be this young, dynamic machine that people don't have a lot of film on. Andy Dalton's different. People have film on Andy Dalton. Everyone knows what Andy Dalton is. Andy Dalton is a serviceable starting quarterback. He is a very serviceable starting quarterback. Justin Fields has the ability to be a superstar in this league. He has the ability to be an MVP in this league. He has the ability to be one of the all-time greats in this league. And I know that's a very difficult thing to say about someone after making one preseason start, but it's not about that. We're, we're projecting what this guy can be. And he's got all the tools, the leadership qualities, the arm strength, the ability to move, move outside the pocket, make reads, change the play. Justin Fields has everything you want in a quarterback, especially nowadays. And he's dynamic. He's young. He's willing to make plays for his team. Why, it, if he keeps playing this good and the Bears don't start him, you can be. We can rest assured, Bears fans are not going to be okay with it. Bears fans are not going to be okay with it because th this is also a team, mind you, that over the past three seasons they've gone to the playoffs twice with Mitch Trubisky. They've gone to the playoffs twice with Mitch Trubisky. Imagine what a Justin Fields, a fresh off the boat Justin Fields would do 
in this league, on that team, with that defense, with that O-line that's getting better, with those receivers, with those weapons, with that running back, Justin Fields would be in the best position to succeed on that team. Like, that is just flat-out true. And he would put the team in the best position to succeed. So, as as serviceable and as good as Andy Dalton still is, I think there's no question. If Justin Fields keeps playing like this you if, and you're the Bears, you have to start him. And if Matt Nagy doesn't, it could be his job. It could be his ass on the line because he's already been on the hot seat. He's been on the hot seat for a while now. He could— he, he was brought in as this offensive guru. He was not really able to make Mitch Trubisky what people thought or what the Bears originally thought Mitch Trubisky could be when they drafted him. And he's he's got to tie himself to Justin Fields. And if I'm a coach whose job is on the line, if I'm a coach who knows that if he doesn't make the playoffs, if he doesn't win a playoff game, mind you, if he doesn't win a playoff game, if he doesn't show any success in the playoffs, he's getting fired. I am hitching my horse to Justin Fields, and I am riding it out with that guy because what he showed in what he's been showing in training camp, what he's been showing um, as far as what he showed in college, what he's been showing in the preseason is he is ready. He is ready, and he is hungry, and he will succeed. Justin Fields got a chip on his shoulder. Don't don't forget that. This dude was should have been the second, at least the second quarterback off the board. Could have made an argument for number one. But he went, what, 12? He went 12? The, the Bears got him for a steal. The Bears got him for an absolute steal. So I don't want to hear this, this talk of, oh, now we just got to ride it out with Andy Dalton and put Fields in when he's ready. He's ready. He's ready. The only question is, the only question is, is Matt Nagy ready to make that decision? Because you, you either got to, you, you live by the sword, you die by the sword. In this case, the sword is the quarterback. If he picks Andy Dalton... And the Bears start one and five, and then they switch to Justin Fields, and Justin Fields does pretty good, and he leads them on a winning record. You can rest assured, Matt Nagy's not going to be back as a head coach. If he hits his rise to Justin Fields, they do well, and they make the playoffs. They might let him stick around for another year, and that's the decision the Chicago Bears have to make. For me, it's crystal clear. It this this is Justin Fields' job to win, and. And oh, sorry, it's his job to lose at this point. And he should be right now, as we're speaking right now, he should be the week one starter. There's no question in my mind. You don't draft the guy in the first round to let Andy on, on a team that, that made the playoffs last year, that didn't have a good quarterback situation, made the playoffs last year. You don't let him just sit the ride the bench. You put him in there and you put your money where your mouth is because this guy I promise you he's worth every penny the Chicago Bears paid for him. And you could take that to the bank. <sighs> I love Justin Fields, by the way, in case you guys didn't know. He's a, he's a great guy. You know who else is great? Anyone who's watching this right now and who anyone who hits that like button, subscribes to the channel, and hits that notification bell so you get notified whenever a new video is released. We've got some questions in the chat. Let's get to those right, right now. <clears throat> Excuse me. Oh, as my, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm gonna take a drink of water real quick. Let me just get this out of the way. All right, Cincy edits is here. Welcome, Cincy. Uh, yes, you are late. You were at church. Oh, well, Cincy, you were at church. Was Tim Tebow there too? I hear, I hear that's his favorite place to go. Uh, Cincy in the chat says the Bengals got to play uh, the football team. I think we'll win. 
I think you're right. I think you're right. Um, what NFL team will win the Super Bowl this year? Um, so it, it, it's a tough one. It's a definitely a tough one to decide this year because the, there's a good chance that a a team out of the NFC is going to surprise you. But right now, the, the favorite is still the Bucks. I know that there's a lot of fever around the Bucks and and then all that kind of stuff. And people are like, "Oh, Tom Brady's going to repeat," and you know that might be true, might not be true. But they brought back all their starters from the Super Bowl, where teams never do. So the Bucks and the NFC are my favorite. And from the AFC, I'm going to go with the Ravens. I'm going to go with Rave the Ravens. Lamar, a healthy Lamar Jackson. A Lamar Jackson who hopefully, hopefully doesn't get COVID again. Jesus, Lamar. A Lamar Jackson who is as dynamic as he's ever going to be. I think I think he balls out this year. This Ravens defense got better this year. Um and I think the Ravens, the Ravens are going to be a hard team. They're going to be a very difficult team. They've already been a difficult team. The only thing they have to do, the only thing the Ravens have to prove is the fact that they can beat the Chiefs. And look, that's a t- it's a tall task, but it is possible. And I think this, if there's any year for them to do it, it is this year. They should beat the Chiefs. Um, all right, Ryan asks, oh, he already asked that. So I, I would say Ravens, Bucks. Uh, Cincy, rather, asks, thoughts on the Bengals' defense? I don't think about the Bengals' defense, if I'm being honest with you. Um, I mean, solid, solid defense. I just, I think the, the bigger problem with the, with the Bengals is just the, how one, how young they are, not only on the, on the as far as the players they have, but also... In their coaching, like Zach Taylor to me, I think Zach Taylor was Zach Taylor's like not a bad coach. I want to make that clear. Zach Taylor is not a bad head coach. I think he was in a bad position because the Bengals were in a place where they were coming off of what 17 years of Marvin Lewis, where he just he just did what he did. He 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 Marvin Lewis did, you know, went to the playoffs every few years and lost the playoffs. And th- th- at that point, the team was in a complete rebuild mode when Zach Taylor came in, and it was gonna be they were gonna be like three or four years away from you know being in the position to be in the playoffs anyway. So it- it's it's tough. It is tough. And and you know I I and I one thing I will say is the defense is I think going to be solid because they they're well they're well coached and then these you got some good players on the defense. But the bigger problem I think is going to be on offense. I think the offensive line is still going to be a huge, huge issue for for Joe Burrow. It's going to be a huge issue for the Bengals, and it's going to end up being a huge issue for Zach Taylor if he can't figure it out. Because this is going to be, dude, it's going to be his third year. Third, if he goes to a third year and 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 goes like five and eleven, is he going to be around? Are the I mean, the Bengals have shown they're patient. They kept Marvin Lewis around for like. 18 years or whatever but are they going to be that patient with someone like a a Zach Taylor that's something I'm not sure of so we'll see we'll do a whole breakdown of each division and all that kind of stuff in uh in a later episode we'll have some some people on we'll do a whole NFL uh uh, uh preview like a whole NFL 2021 preview later on um so let's go and move on to our next topic and that is we're going to switch gears and talk about the NBA right Right, we're going to talk about the NBA. <laughs> uh, I don't even know what I'm talking about half the time I'm doing this, but boy, do I love doing it. The NBA. 
had free agency, and amongst one amongst those free agents was one Kawhi Leonard who opted out of this contract. It was always expected that Kawhi Leonard was going to resign. It was never it was never expected that he was going to leave L.A. He was never going to leave the Clippers. There were some rumors, but those weren't true. Kawhi is coming off of a torn ACL that will likely keep him out of most of, if not the entire 2021-22 season. And he just re-upped a four-year contract worth $176 million to stay in L.A. And question that people have is, what does this move signify for Kawhi Leonard and the Clippers? It, to me, it signifies that Kawhi is in it for the long haul. Because he knows that he's not likely not going to play at all this year unless the Clippers are, are in a good position in the playoffs and, and he's healthy by then. He knows that he's likely not going to play. He knows that that the team is honestly limited without him. As good as Paul George and them boys are, they're, they're limited as far as how far they can go into the playoffs without him. It means that he's willing to give it this year and and then really chase one in 22-23. And, and look, that gives the Clippers something that they have not had for a while, and that is time. It gives them one year to kind of reassess things see what Paul George can do. It gives them time to re- to assess the free agent market for 2022 and see who might be available, whose contract might be coming up, who might want to be traded out of their position, and who might they have the money to get. Because Kawhi could have taken a, a, a Supermax deal. I don't believe he did. But but it, it's interesting to me that, that Kawhi, he opted out and he didn't take any meetings with any other teams. Because the, the, there were some teams that you, you could you could say that Kawhi probably should have met with. Um, I think a reunion in Toronto would have been good for Kawhi. He already had the entire country behind him. I, I, I always will say it was a mistake for him to leave. It will always be a mistake, especially if he doesn't win a ring with the Clippers. If he doesn't win a ring with the Clippers, leaving Toronto will be the biggest mistake of Kawhi Leonard's career. Now, if... If he had decided that he wanted to stay in L.A. because he has the the moral and 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 the the roots down there, you know, he, he's from there. That's fine. I'm not saying that's a bad move. From a basketball standpoint, though, he probably if if he wanted to win, then he should have stayed in Toronto. But again, it might not have been a basketball decision. Who knows? For the Clippers, though, again, it gives them time. It gives them time to assess their own team, too, because they traded away Patrick Beverly. They they are currently in a state where I think they want to assess what Paul George can do because, really, Paul George is as much as good as he was at the latter part of that playoff series against the um, against the Mavericks. For a lot of times, he, he was inconsistent. Paul George played inconsistently. You saw playoff P rear his ugly head every few times. And and that's not the kind of guy you want to be paired up with someone like Kawhi Leonard. You want someone else who can take over if need be. And I'm not saying Paul George can't do that, but he can't do it as consistently as you would like and as Kawhi as this team needs him to. He needs to be able to when Kawhi Leonard is load managing or Kawhi Leonard is not there, or Kawhi Leonard, you know, is focusing strictly on defending. They need to have that extra offensive firepower, and they just don't have it consistently with Paul George. That has been the issue. That has been the problem the entire time these two have been together, the inconsistency of Paul George. Now, if Kawhi is willing to look past that, that is fine too. But if I'm the Clippers, I'm looking. I am looking at 2022, 
and I am looking at who might be available in 2022 because the the Clippers have shown the past two years they've look they they can only get so far with this team. I I will admit that Kawhi Leonard got injured. Right, we don't know what they would have done in the conference finals, but. That Suns team was a team that even looked like they were not going to be denied. That was a team that was that was going to give the Clippers problems because they were scoring at a very fat, fast rate. You could see that DeAndre Ayton also was coming on at the at, in that series. So there, there there's a lot of there, there's a lot of factors that go into that. Um, you know, you got to think about it. Who who might the Clippers want to get? Like, there you got a few people that might be available. You might have someone like. A John Wall, who I believe is going to be a free agent in 2022, he's going to be looking to go somewhere he can win. You know, um, do they take a chance on someone like a Russell Westbrook, who is you know going to be what 35 by the time that rolls around? That might not be the most optimal free agent, uh, free agent for that. But you also have someone like Kyrie Irving. Who knows? Bradley Beal by then will be an unrestricted free agent and then be able to control his future. So there's there's multiple people they could go out and get. But if you ask me, can this core win with even with a healthy Kawhi Leonard? I unfortunately have to say no because they haven't shown that they can. They haven't shown me anything that proves that that they have that extra gear. They need another superstar. They need a second. They need a two. They need someone who's going to be Robin to Kawhi's Joe, uh, Batman. Because right now, fucking, I'm not going to lie to you. Fucking, what's his name? Uh, Paul George looks like Joker. He's not Bat. He's not Robin. He's not the two. He's the three. He's the third option on that team. He On a championship team, he's the third option. That's what he is. That's the reality of what he's shown. Because he's not consistent. You, the two, you need someone who is very consistent to be in that second spot. And unfortunately, I don't think that's that is Paul George at this point in his career. I don't think that's Paul George on this team. Can he prove me wrong? Damn right he can. I hope he does. That doesn't mean though that he will. And and I again, again, it, it's one of those things where I think Kawhi kind of saw the landscape and and he was fine with this. I think he kind of resigned himself to to this whole this whole thing. He said, I'm going to stick with this team. I picked it two years ago, and I'm going to stay home. I think that's genuinely what it was about. And if, if that's what it's about, then, you know, more power to you. Stay home. But don't expect any titles. Don't expect any titles. Um. Anyway, what do you guys think about that? Let me know in the chat. Hit that like button. Subscribe if you haven't already. Hit that notification bell so you get notified whenever a new video is released. All right. We got some questions here. <laughs> Uh, since he says, I started my freshman year of high school yesterday, LOL. Oh, my God. Making me feel old, Cincy. Ryan Woodridge asks, who the, uh, who will win this boxing match between Pacquiao versus Mayweather if the fight happens? I am picking Mayweather. Mayweather's undefeated. Mayweather is undefeated. Look, if this fight happened, like, you know, 10 years ago, we're talking a whole different story. Because that's that was the optimal time. When these two were in their prime... That fight should have happened. There's no reason that fight should not have happened other than Floyd Mayweather was ducking Manny Pacquiao, which it was the truth. He was ducking Pacquiao until they were both kind of either ending their prime or, or, or what have you. If they do it again, it's just going to be a cash grab fight. I don't I don't think it's going to be a good fight, particularly. I, I, I think, look at Floyd. Floyd is at this point isn't, he's not a, a championship boxer at this point. He's a prize fighter. 
He's a prize fighter who fights for glory, fights for money, and that's what he's earned at this point. He's undefeated. But if he had fought Pacquiao 10 years ago when they were both in their prime, I would pick Pacquiao. I think Pacquiao would have got Mayweather. He's too motivated not to. Manny Pacquiao was a motivated type of fighter. All right, Rashid Wallace, former NBA coach, joined the Memphis basketball coach. Did he really? Rashid Wallace is a coach now for in, in wait for the Grizzlies or for for a university or something? Let me see. It says here, um, do 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 do. Rashid Wallace, what is he doing? Oh, okay, so okay, yeah, no, I think Rashid Wallace is a good coach. He's got damn good experience. Fucking like. Like almost like a like to me, he's like a, a Hall of Fame level player. Like I think Rashid Wallace definitely deserves that position. Yeah, yeah, have him there. Good coach. You can learn a lot from him. You could also learn a lot of things not to do from him. But we love Rashid Wallace. We love Rashid Wallace. Assalamu alaikum, Rashid. Um, let's move on, everyone, and talk about something that I I, I feel bad that we don't get to talk about a lot in this show. Because a lot of times it gets overlooked or a lot of times, you know, we we don't have time to cover it. But I, I'm glad I get to at least talk about it for a little bit on this show. And that is professional baseball. Specifically, the Baltimore Orioles, who got lambasted on Twitter by one of the biggest ba- uh, baseball insiders there is in Buster Olney. So let's take a look at this tweet here. By Buster Olney, who really laid into the Baltimore Orioles. Um, So Buster Olney on Twitter said this of the Baltimore Orioles. He said that the Orioles are on pace to lose 106 games this season. In their previous two full seasons, they lost 115 and 108 games. This is unprecedented in AL history. When the players' union cites a non-competitive behavior, the Orioles could be Exhibit A. It's just wrong so Buster Olney here just made a very interesting point because the Baltimore Orioles for a very very long time my entire lifetime the Baltimore Orioles have been a terrible baseball team a terribly run baseball team and on the field a very terrible team itself too and look they're on pace to lose over 100 games in three straight full seasons that's bad enough but it's even worse when you factor in that going past, going all the way back, although you run the clock back all the way back to 1998. From 1998 until right now, the year of our Lord, 2021, the Orioles have made the playoffs three times. That is three times in 23 years they have made the playoffs. Three times. And this is supposed to be one of the legendary teams in baseball. This is supposed to be a a you know a proud baseball city in Baltimore. I'm from Baltimore, not an Orioles fan. Go Nats, by the way. Always go Nats. But but I will say this: the Baltimore loves the Orioles. They love their baseball team. And the fact that these fans have been coming in every year, going to the games, going to the stadiums, buying the jerseys, no matter how trash this team is, no matter how many terrible contracts they give out, the fact that this team has that the fans have always supported this team and the ownership and the general managers always somehow find a way to fail the fans fail baseball and lose over a hundred games it's 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 really bad it's really bad like and there was a time where the Orioles were decent 
there was legitimately a time where the Orioles were decent. Like, it was a run between, what, 2012 and, and, and 2015, I believe, somewhere around there, um, where the Orioles were, were, were damn good. They were damn good. They were making the playoffs. They made the ALCS one year under Buck Showalter. But even Buck Showalter, he only brought them to the playoffs three times. Other than that, no other manager, no other coach has, has got them anywhere near that the, the playoffs. Like it, it has just been bad. And and I think one of the points that Buster Olney says that when you talk about non-competitive behavior, when the players' union wants to cite that, the Orioles are exhibit A. You're damn right they could be. Because I, it's as you get to a point where you wonder, is this team legitimately trying? What are they trying to do? What are the Baltimore Orioles trying to do in managing and running this team into the ground? Because it doesn't matter how many how how high their draft pick is, they find a way to make their prospects not work out. It doesn't matter how how good someone might be, they end up ruining them anyway. It do, it it doesn't matter what they do. They just seem to always make the wrong decision. And when you're running a sports franchise, when you're running a, 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 a premier sports franchise too, in, in a big league, I think that question of, of incompetence comes up. And, and I think we have to ask ourselves as fans, at what point are we as fans of a sport willing to deal with incompetence as far as ownership, as far as management of a team? Because... There has to be some sort of clause. There has to be some sort of of, of repercussions for owners or, or managers who either willfully or not are bad at running their team and are bad for this long. 23 years of almost nearly 23 years of entirely incomp- incompetence. Almost the entire past, my entire lifetime, the Orioles have been trash. They had one year where they made the ALCS. One year. Other than that, zip, nada, zilch. And they're about to go three straight full seasons, losing over 100 games. It's not good. And if you're a fan of this team, it, it, it can't be easy. And at the end, how long? Like, I know it's been 20-plus years, but how long until the fans just stop? Like, it, it, it is... It's criminal. I don't know what Buster only like is is assuming like they sh- should be done. I mean, like there there's I've seen people online say that the ownership group should probably be forced to sell, which I think look, I think there should be some sort of incompetence clause that if you're an incompetent owner for such a long time, like like if you're like this, like 20 plus years of just bad baseball and bad management of a team, at what point does the MLB step in? Does does a does a major league uh uh, uh league step in and say, hold up, we we need someone who's go- if someone's gonna manage our teams, they have to know what they're doing. They have to be competent in 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 the sport that they're running. And you guys have shown you are not competent, whether it's willful or not. We're you you got we're going in a different direction because at the end of the day, these teams are part of the MLB and and it, it, it's not a right for someone to own these teams it should be a privilege and that, that's why you have the commissioner and that's why you have the systems set up in these leagues so I think it, it's bad I think the, the 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 Orioles especially being this bad is not only bad for them not only bad for Baltimore but bad for baseball as well so I hope something there changes I truly do um, you know what What I hope doesn't change? The people who are watching this right now, I hope you guys don't change because you guys do a wonderful job supporting us, and I hope you continue to support us by hitting that like button, subscribing to the channel, and hitting that notification bell so you get notified whenever a new video is 
released. Let's move on and talk about quarterbacks once again because there's another quarterback controversy that, you know, I honestly didn't even know was a bit of a controversy, but good old Urban Meyer, he could not stay away from talking about one. So let's talk about this. Is there a quarterback competition in Duval? And by Duval, I, of course, am talking about the one, the only, Jacksonville, Florida, do good old Duval County. Urban Meyer has said that there is a quarterback competition in Jacksonville between Gardner Minshew and Trevor Lawrence. Gardner Flint Minshew, of course, is the mustachioed quarterback, former, former starting quarterback of the Jacksonville Jaguars. He had... A great start to his career. The Jag he was on a terrible team. The Jags are not a good team, but he did fine. And he showed that he can play. Regardless of how bad the team around him is, he showed that he can be a successful quarterback and a potential franchise quarterback in this league. That being said, he was a sixth-round pick. There, there, there was never the spotlight on him. There was never that full trust on him. Trevor Lawrence got is a number one overall pick. He is a prototypical quarterback. He's got everything you want in a quarterback, and he's good. He is damn good. So what does Urban Meyer really mean when he says there's a quarterback competition? Like, is there really a competition? Let me answer that question first. Is there really a competition in Jacksonville? And no, there is not. As much as I love Gardner Minshew, I am the biggest Minshew fan you can find. There is not a quarterback controversy in Jacksonville. It is an open and shut case it is an open and shut scenario week one Trevor Lawrence is going to be the starter he is going to be under center barring an injury you can take that to the bank that is gospel that is truth now the other question is why might Urban Meyer have said that there is a quarterback battle there these two are in competition with each other why would he say that why would he say such a thing and the answer to me is is you know it one I think it's to kind of, you know, not show anyone his cards, even though his cards are pretty obviously out there. The other aspect of it I, that I do think plays a part in it is I don't think that, uh, I don't think that Urban Meyer believes that um, having, just giving Trevor Lawrence the quarterback job right now is probably best for him. Maybe this is a way to, to motivate him, make him play better, force him into a position where he plays better um, and and for and maybe for some good things out of Minshew to drive up Minshew's trade value because Gardner Minshew's name has been a name that people have been saying on the trade market. He's been a name that has been linked to the the um, he's been linked to to the Colts after after uh, Carson Wentz's injury. So I think there, there's there's good value in doing this both to motivate your rookie quarterback, your rookie number one pick, who the team the franchise is hedging their bets on, and also the young guy who's shown that he can ball out, the young guy who's shown that he he can do a lot of the things that you need to do to play quarterback and be successful at it. Probably should have won rookie of the year his rookie year. But and driving up his value I think is a good thing because it would help the team get better. You could get a better draft pick for him, you know, or it might even be in a position where it's like, hey, if Trevor Lawrence goes down we have Gardner Minshew to fall back on, and that's not a bad backup plan by any means, even on the Jacksonville Jaguars, who, by the way, got a lot better in this draft, got a lot better in free agency. So I think that this is mainly just a like you know strategic move by Urban Meyer. There's no truth to the fact that there's a legitimate competition. 
Uh, if it brings the best out of both of these quarterbacks, if it brings the best out of them and it drives up Minshew's trade value, it makes uh, Lawrence compete better, then I'm all for it. Good. If it's a legitimate statement about about how about where these quarterbacks are and 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 what have you, if you're telling me seriously that there is a competition between Trevor Lawrence, who got picked number one overall, and and the incumbent Gardner Minshew, who who Trevor Lawrence got picked over, there is one either serious incompetence going on in the coaching staff, or two, Trevor Lawrence might be worse than we than anyone ever thought. Trevor Lawrence must be looking bad in practice. But I don't believe that's the case because all the reports we're hearing is Trevor Lawrence looks pretty good. So so it has to be. It, it just has to be a strategic move. There's there's nothing else to it. There's legitimately nothing else to it, and there shouldn't be anything else to it. Um. Anyway, let me know what you guys think. Who who might be a good trade destination for Gardner Minshew? I think I I said the Colts. You know the Colts are probably sticking though with with Eason, and and they're saying that Wentz might be back earlier. But you know if I'm the if I'm the Saints, I might take a chance on Minshew too. If I'm the Saints, if I'm the Broncos, I might take a chance on Minshew. You know I, there's a lot of teams. Are the Miami Dolphins happy with Tua Tagovailoa? Another question there. And, the, and look, none of these are out of the realm of possibility. I think Minshew could go to any of those teams and be pretty successful. Legitimately. No cap. All day. Every day. Real take. Let's move on to the last official, and again, I say official uh, topic of today, and that is the very sad ballot of the former First round pick, Josh Rosen. It is, look, what has happened to Josh Rosen, you, you got to feel sorry for the guy. You got to feel sorry for the guy. It is just, he has been put in some pretty bad situations, and he just got released. So let's talk about it. The San Francisco 49ers have waived quarterback Josh Rosen, and on waivers, nobody picked him up. He cleared waivers like, I'm sorry, going to restart because I messed up. The San Francisco 49ers have waived quarterback Josh Rosen, and that means that the former 10th overall pick is now again a free agent after clearing waivers on Tuesday. And it now puts his entire future in football in a big cloud of uncertainty with Jimmy Garoppolo and Trey Lance cemented as the Niners' two stars, top quarterbacks. Veteran Nate Sutveld was apparently outplaying Josh Rosen in practice, and it became the point that he was expendable and they just said hey we gotta go he's done and they moved on they moved on from the kid and it ends a relatively short time he was with the 49ers he was on Tampa Bay's practice squad for most of last year he got picked up by the 49ers as a a third string quarterback that they needed an arm in camp for and you know Kyle Shanahan he actually talked about Rosen and he said quote I think he started off well I think he's taken a couple steps back the last few practices. You know, it was unfortunate. We were supposed to go with someone, and we had a busted route, so it kind of all fell apart. He tried to overcome, overcompensate, and he made a bad situation worse. So, again, I think, I think Josh Rosen is just at the point now where it's like he was at, he was on the bubble to begin with, as far as would he make the team, would he not? And then, you know, it just goes to show you how fragile making a roster can be. It shows you how fragile it is because it's not easy. One bad thing, even if sometimes it's not your fault, domino effect. It can lead right back to you. And unfortunately, I think Josh Rosen was in the line of fire in that situation. And the fact that he got outplayed by Nate Sudfeld, 
Not good. Not good at all. Rosen, who is 24, played most of the second half of the preseason game opener against the Chiefs, going 10 of 15, 93 yards with an interception, which Josh Rosen at this point is no stranger to. After the game, Rosen spoke about how much he liked playing in Shanahan's system, but noted difficulties into getting in rhythm when you aren't getting as many reps as the top two quarterbacks. So Josh Rosen just got cut again. This is now he is this was his fourth team in four years. And this is a guy who was picked 10th overall in 2018. In 2018, he was picked 10th overall. And he got traded to Miami by the Cardinals after they got the number one pick and ended up picking Kyler Murray. Then Miami cut him. He signed with Tampa Bay's practice squad. Some people thought, you know, maybe under Tom Brady in that practice squad, he could have been he could have been something. He they could have been maybe grooming him as the quarterback of the future. I I don't know what the future might be. Maybe he goes back to Tampa Bay, but for for Josh for Josh Rosen, it is it is just it, it's tough. It is tough because he got put into a difficult situation with the Cardinals to begin with. That was not a good ba- football team. It was not a good football team, and they put him out there before he was ready. They put him out there in the line of fire, and it was fight or flight. And he just didn't have enough fight to overcome the problems that that team had. They ended up finishing with the worst record in the NFL. Again, they picked Kyler Murray. You don't not pick Kyler Murray number one overall. You have to move on from him. Okay, they move on from him. And then he goes to Miami. Again, very difficult. A young, Another young kid. He's in his second system in two years as a top pick. It's tough. It's tough. It didn't work out. Miami he got outplayed and outshined by uh, Fitzpatrick and Fitzmagic. So goes to Tampa Bay. He's kind of quiet. He, he's learning. Gets picked up by the 49ers, and now he gets cut again. It is sad. It is sad, but it also shows you how the NFL is such a cutthroat business that someone who was picked 10th overall just a few years later could just be another guy. And that is what Josh Rosen is, as talented as he was. And he was talented. The velocity, the arm strength was all there. I think he he had to work on he had to work on accuracy and consistency and getting in rhythm. Those are things that you, you could see coming him coming out of college. But he had the potential to be very good in this league. And I think that potential is still there. People forget he is young. He is only 24 years old. There's some guys who come out of college at 23, 24. He's only 24 years old. If he can get in the right system. I think he can develop into a good quarterback. I, st- I still think he can. Um, and and I think the best place, honestly, for him to maybe end up is in Tampa Bay. I think he. I think the Tampa Bay Buccaneers should probably grab him up because he is, he is, he's still got all that raw potential. It's, it's untapped at this point. If, if they can channel it somehow and, and, and have him learn under Tom Brady, I think there's still potential for Josh Rosen not only to be in this league, but be a starter in this league. But it is, is not an easy battle. It is going to be a very, very tough out for Josh Rosen because the NFL moves on very quickly, man. The NFL moves on very quickly. There are so many good quarterbacks coming out every single year in the draft that it's difficult. It is it is exceedingly difficult to really figure out, you know, to, to really factor in these people who, who might still have potential. Even Josh Rosen. Like it, it the NFL just passed you by and you got to and you have to be able to adjust. And Josh Rosen, the only downside to his thing that his game that he's shown is he's not been able to adjust in all these different systems. And once and one time, it's like one time if it happened or or two times, it's it 
it's fine. I think it's passable. Then you still take a shot on the kid. But when it comes to like getting cut by like three teams now, it is it is tough. It is going to be tough for any team to really seriously factor him in as someone who can come in and contribute, other than just being arm during uh, training camp. And that's just the truth. Uh, since he says Rosen's problem is he didn't adapt. He got when he got to the NFL. Yeah, I think that's part of the problem too. I think he did not adapt as well when he got to the NFL, and 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 it showed. He, the game never slowed down for him. That's what it was. I think the game never slowed down for Josh Rosen. He never got comfortable. He never got set, and he never got into into a position where he could do all those things, and he could be that guy. And it all goes back to him being put into the line of fire too early, way earlier than he should have been, in in Arizona. But again, he was a 10th overall pick. They expected him to come in and do his job, and it just didn't pan out. And that's unfortunate, man. It's unfortunate. Josh Rosen is actually someone who I would love to talk to about about his his, his kind of journey in the NFL, which, by the way, is not over yet by any means. But, you know, again, NFL is a tough business. It's a very, very tough business out there. Anyway. I think that's about all we got on tap today. So unless you guys have any final questions in the t- in the chat, I don't really have any final takes. I don't have anything else I want to talk about. Um, if you guys want to uh, help us out, donate patreon.com forward slash real take sports. Join the five dollar a month or above tier. You get one extra wrestle talk show every week, right after the main show. And in addition to that, you also also get. A very uh, you got very special early access rather to all of the videos we have coming out, including this new baseball video that actually is coming out tomorrow about the shortest baseball player ever. So you can get early access to that right now at this moment. Patreon.com forward slash Real Take Sports. Join the five dollar a month or above tier to do that. Um, and yeah, you also get uh, early access to all the future content we got coming out too. So do that. So yeah, if you guys have any last minute questions, I'm here to answer that. Uh, since he says, imagine Rosen was great and Kyler never went to Arizona. And man, it, it, I mean, look, it, it, it could have been possible. It could have been possible. The thing is, they were put in that position. And look, look, they also, the, the Cardinals also gave up on their coach. I think his name was Steve Wilkes, right? I, I think that's his name, Steve Wilkes, if, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. They, they gave up on him the same time they gave up on Rosen. The one year Steve Wilkes was out and they brought in Cliff Kingsbury. So, like, I, I don't. So they, I think they were just, I don't know what they were doing. I think they were just in a holistic, they were like, let's, they, they pushed the reset button t- like two times in two years, which again, it worked out because Kyler Murray is amazing. Cliff Kingsbury can show that, you know, he can coach a team. Like, so, so, it, you know, I mean, I, I, you can't fault them because it's working out or at least it looks like it's working out right now. But, and, and look, Josh Rosen isn't, you know, Steve Wilkes. I, I, I forgot where he is. He's, last time I checked, I think Steve Wilkes was like, wasn't he with? He was in college, I believe. He was doing something in college. Like I know he was with the Browns for a while, but he but he's he's doing something in college football. I forget where though. Um, but yeah, it could have been a whole different story. Imagine if Kyler, imagine if Kyler Murray wasn't the number one pick. Then San Francisco could have been in a position to pick him, or or you know the New York Jets could have had their quarterback of the future. Things to think about, but things we will never know about because they didn't happen. <sighs> fun show today, guys. Fun show. Again, it was just me, but I have fun doing this. I have fun doing this most of the time. Um, remember, guys, if you want to get access to exclusive content or uh, access to our exclusive post show every Tuesday night after Real Take Sports or Real Take Wrestle Talk on YouTube, 
head on over to patreon.com forward slash real take sports join the five dollar a month or above tier i cannot plug that enough can i um also follow us on facebook facebook.com forward slash real take sports twitter at real take sports and also subscribe to the channel on youtube youtube.com forward slash real take sports if you're listening on spotify apple Podcasts, wherever follow us leave us a good review would be much appreciated i've been omer and we will see you next time